my compage. We're two college sweethearts. We have four amazing kids. We live outside the Nashville area. We really love a good podcast and we love a good story even more. And so we thought, why don't we start our own? This is Laugh So You Don't Cry. We ready? Tell me about Jonas. <laughs> I love Jonas. <laughs> well, we were talking. Lori, another girl from St. Thomas uh, Recovery Room that I worked with, we were talking about Jonas the other day, and uh, Jonas never remembers important events in his life, but he always has to have them off work. And she said, "So, and she said, I was telling somebody this the other day at work, and knows all of Jonas's dates, like she knows his birthday, his wife's birthday, their anniversary." <laughs> Because otherwise, Jonas will come in like on Tuesday and say, I must be off tomorrow. It is my 25th anniversary. My wife will kill me if I not be off tomorrow. And I'm like, Jonas, did your 25th anniversary just start? I mean, like it did. Was it not your 25th anniversary three weeks ago when we talked about the schedule? So, you know, there's just no arguing with that with Jonas. When Jonas wants off, Jonas wants off, and Jonas is going to get off, and he's not going to leave you alone until it happens. <laughs> well, that was a really good sound check, so. Okay, so we always talk about how we love a good story. And I grew up on a good story. I have a mom who is probably more vivacious than me, (laughs) definitely as outgoing as me. And uh, I grew up listening to just funny stories. Um, There is no one who can tell a better story than Anne High. And and I will say that, um, so Paige had your mom for 21 years before I came Mm -hmm. along, right? And in the 10 years we've been married... Mike stole the show. No, no, I. I <laughs> yes, yes, it's true. But I have, I have been caught up. So, it, so what? What? What she did in twenty-one years, I did in ten. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's kind of where we're at. So when we thought about doing a funny episode of just good stories, when we talk about uh, loving a good story and loving a good podcast, there was none other than my mama who needed to come in no, and just no. and just share with you the goodness of my childhood, my family's childhood. So, with much ado, enjoy Nana and hi. <laughs> Hello, it's Anne again. I have another story about Jonas. <laughs> Jonas, uh, I was his manager at St. Thomas for a while, and mostly that meant I scheduled their dates to work. We all worked together as a team, and it was a wonderful, wonderful environment that none of us really appreciated how good we had it until we weren't working with the same people anymore. But we did work together for like 20 years, so it was a remarkable thing. But anyway... Jonas buys a new house and decides to put in a pool. Well, somehow that involves me getting him a loan from the credit union. Jonas has, like, perfect credit. I'm not so much. (laughs) And I'm like, uh, how am I supposed to help you get a loan? So anyway... You just don't say no to Jonas. So I went with Jonas to the credit union, talked to the manager, explained what he wanted to do. The manager and mom are like BFFs. 
Yeah, the manager's much sure. much younger than me, kind of like a child to me as far as age difference, but we're very close and get along. I call him by his first name. And did mom try to set me up with Will? Maybe, maybe I kind of did, but what? <laughs> <laughs> it was before you. No wonder he gave me such a high interest rate. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I went with Jonas to talk to Will, explain what he wanted and everything. Jonas, Will says, "Okay, I'll look into it and stuff," and. I love the credit union. Love, love, love the credit union. But there, the wheels of progress sometimes turn a little slowly. In Jonas's world, nothing works slowly. Everything works immediately. Right now. <laughs> Yesterday. Stat. So um, anyway, he um, asked me every day about this loan. And so finally, I, after about a week, I gave him a week. And then I called Will. I said, Will. If you love me, if you care anything about me, if you want me to live past today, you will approve this loan because Jonas is going to ask me 9,000 times a day until he gets that money in his hand. He tells people, I am his collateral for this loan. (laughs) I didn't know that part. I'm not sure how that works in his brain, but that is what he says. Please. Give him the money. His He's credit is perfect. He's where, using that like social leverage. Where's Jonas from? The Philippines. Ah, so and he's in order to fit million people in the Philippines, and they do not know each other. They do not all know each other. <laughs> so don't ask him if he knows something yeah. from the Philippines. They do not know each other. They they don't know everybody, but they do send money home to help everybody. So. <laughs> There's just a big collection pot in the middle of the Philippines. They are. They have been through a lot. I really have kind of studied the Philippines, and they've done. They have been a country that's been, uh, what's that word? You know, conquered by various civilizations and stuff. They really kind of have been through a lot. But anyway, so the, the point of the story is, Jonas got the money. Jonas put in a beautiful pool. He's had several pool parties at it since that I've seen on Facebook. And, have you not been to any of the pool parties? <laughs> After I got in the dang pool. No, I, uh, I, I retired from St. Thomas West and went to work at another hospital before he started having the pool parties. And they were, there was just one last week. And I thought, hello. Am I like off the menu? Mm-hmm. Clearly. Clearly. But it's okay. I still love him. I love all my friends and buddies from St. Thomas West. It was a, it was really a great environment, a great I place to up, work. I grew up knowing that my dad did the same thing the whole time, and my mom did worked at the same company in the same department my entire childhood. And when I started getting out and working, and I would get several different jobs, like over the course of ten years, my mom was like, "What are you doing?" Why are you getting a different job? And I was like, because people do this. And she's like, no, they don't. And it's like been in the last like two years. She, she started travel nursing and she was like, how do I, um, how do I make a resume? How do I apply for different jobs? And like, she was like, but I already promised this person that I was applying. I don't need to apply anywhere else. And I was like, yes, you do. Yes, you do. You got to apply to lots of places. When, when we, when I first met, uh, the highs and I came to visit in Tennessee, we, we walk into the hospital and. We, we just, we go past all the doors. Like, we're walking into the depths of this hospital, and I'm like, hey, we're, we're not, we're not, like, we're not going to go check in this one. Like, we're not going to see a patient. We're, we're, like, we're walking through, and, like, 
literally like we were in the back of the hospital, like in the middle of like a, a an outpatient ward, getting free free sprites and cokes, <laughs> and like hanging I out. You're gonna talk about like Miss Shirley being all about you. Listen, black ladies love me. Uh, all the black ladies said Pinky was all about you. She but <laughs> took you home. Pinky, you out there? Stop it. You're already taken home. You're good. You're covered. Miss Shirley loved you too, but she loves David too. So there you go. So, so Nana, tell us, um, tell us some stories of, of growing up here. Uh, I think starting with the school one for David is a really good one. Well, I think I was going to start before I start with the school story. Um, we had a pediatrician that we had most of y'all's life. We actually started with her when Beth was like 18 months old because our pediatrician uh, decided to go into teaching and he was, she was one of his students. Our, our lovely Dr. Elizabeth Triggs, she is out there. She works in Green Hills Pediatrics and she's, she's the best. And we had her the, the kids' whole lives. And um, um, I was going to tell you about that. There's a point to that whole story. <laughs> Uh, No, one time she asked me, um, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much emotional energy do your children take from you? And I said, hmm, that's a good question. I said, Beth is my oldest, 19 months older than her brother. And um, I said, she's probably a 2. Paige, uh, the baby, she was three and a half years younger than Beth. I said, she's probably a four or a five. And David, oh, he's probably 10,988, 70,000 billion, you know, quadruple, zillion. I don't have a number. It's too big. And she went, ah. Well, okay then. <laughs> so that just pretty much sums up how our life was because he was just too much for everybody. David's very bright, very um, very creative. Can it, he? We had nothing in the house that had any of the parts because he took everything apart. He's a diesel mechanic now, and thankfully he puts things together again. But in, during his childhood, he took everything apart, and I at least feel like there was a purpose for that now. But anyway... Very opinionated, wanted to do exactly what he wanted to do, when he wanted to do, and, you know, that didn't always work out well with the system, like going to school. I have yet to meet a child who is as hyperactive as my brother. Like, what used to happen is we would watch cartoons, you know, and back when we were growing up, there was no pausing. There was just like, you were watching live TV. Ew. (laughs) Who does that? And he would, like be okay during the, you know, seven minutes that the TV show was on. Then a commercial would come on. He would run, 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 run all around the living room, take objects and just hit us in the head, like, like run, go to the bathroom, come back, jump onto the couch, and like, okay, I'm ready for the next one. And like, that was just like all the time. There was not enough energy that David could get out. It was just all the time. I have one friend who has a son, and I... I'm like, okay, I think he's the one that has the most energy apart from David. Like, But I've seen lots of ADHD kids, hung out with tons of ADHD kids. David had ADHD 
to like on steroids, thousandth degree. Yeah, <laughs> it was worse than I've never met anybody either. But working helped him once he got a little older. Working, and I mean, he had to really work hard. I mean, like when he was in middle school, he made it on the middle school and the varsity uh, soccer team, and all that uh, playtime helped. Right. wear him out he had mono for three weeks and the girls begged me one time for him to stay sick they said it was the best three weeks of their life so I, I was like well can't do that but anyway so um you know schools have rules back to the whole story schools have rules and um some days i pick the kids up from school but you either are a you live close enough to the school to be a walker or you look live far enough away from school that you ride the bus or you are picked up by your parent in a car. And some days they were car riders and some days they were bus riders, depending on if I had to work or not. And um, so David got in trouble on the bus. And the prince, the um, a PE teachers were in charge of discipline for the bus. So the bus driver would let the principal know. The principal would let the school, the, the PE was teachers. Was this Miss Conifee? This was Miss Conifee. My best friend's mom. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And um, so I got called in. To, I volunteered at the school, so they knew me. It wasn't like that. They had to call a stranger. So I got called into the break room, and they're like, Miss Hi. Miss Hobbs, that's what her name was. I was trying to remember what her other name was. Miss Hobbs was the other uh, teacher. Anyway, David's misbehaved on the school bus, and and um, he he's going to get kicked off if he doesn't behave on the school bus. You're going to have to talk to him. And I said, okay. So I went and talked to David, and I said, David, I said, you've misbehaved on the school bus. And I said, riding the bus is a privilege. I said, what do you think would happen to you if you don't get to ride the school bus? And very bright, shining, ear-to-ear, smiling, he says to me, I'll be a car rider. <laughs> and I said, uh, no. You'll be a walker. You'll be a walker. <laughs> and he went, huh? I said, you will walk home. And guys, we don't live close to this elementary school. In fact, I live in my childhood home, and we aren't even, like, that would be, like, three elementary schools from what we would be zoned for. Oh, my gosh, really? Yeah. Like, yeah, we're not even zoned for that school no, now. No, we're not zoned for this school anymore. Like, it's, it is so far away. It's on the other side of like town five, now. eight miles? I'd say it's probably about six miles. Is that the one near the dump way out there? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, my gosh, it is so far out there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, it didn't take long. Then the next week, David had gotten in trouble on the bus again, and I had told Miss Conifee and Miss Hobbs what my plan was, what I had told David, um, and so they told me, Miss um, High, I'm, I'm real sorry, but I think you're going to have to follow through on your punishment plan with David because he's gotten in trouble again. And I said, okay. Well, I went to the gym. Do you know what he got in trouble for on the bus? I, I bet he hit someone. Hitting, sit, not sitting still, not listening. I mean, the list goes on. Who knows? So uh, I go tell Beth because she's sitting in the bus line in the gym, and she starts crying because she's not getting to ride home with me. And I went, you will make fun of your brother. This is not about torture. This is about punishment. And so you have to ride the bus home. I'm taking your brother home. He has to walk. So... um 
I had a little teeny weeny red festiva back then. It was really cute. It was like an adult go kart. We loved it. <laughs> so you always love those little zip zip cars. I do. So we get out on the road, and I said, "Here's the deal. You're gonna walk." Now that let me preface this with, they had just had the what they called a fun run at school, and he'd read he'd ran like eight miles at full speed. Awesome. So. I how, didn't, how old is David at this age? Oh, he's a, he's in first grade. Oh, good. Six. Seven, yeah. Yeah, six, seven years old. And <laughs> he can, and he's scrawny and little and pitiful looking, but he's tough as a nail, you know. So um, I said, here's the deal. You're going to walk. When we get to the intersections, I will stop the car. I will follow along behind you. I, you will stop the car. You will get in the car. I will drive you across the major intersections, then you will get out again, and you will walk. So that's what he did. And first intersection, Murfreesboro Road, I put him in the car, drove him across, stopped, let him out. We took back roads home. We, did took, you have to tell him the turns? No, he knew exactly how to get home. It was really, He just took the way I followed him. That is a good point. I didn't have to tell him how to go. It, like, infuriates me how smart he is. He is really smart. So... We're passing TDS, which is the telephone company in Laverne. And there's a gentleman there that works at TDS, and he sees me following this child. (laughs) He thinks you're trying to abduct this child. Yeah, and he says to David, is that your mother? And David said, yes, sir. And he says, why is she following you? She won't let me ride. (laughs) (laughs) I love that that's the answer. Nothing about what he did wrong, you know. And uh, he, then the gentleman addressed me. Are you his mother? I said, yes, sir. I don't believe you. I said, well, I have pictures from birth. But he'd misbehaved, and now he has to walk. You know, that's so funny, because these days what I would do is I would pull up my phone background and be like, well, here's our entire family in a photo. Right. So probably my Man, child. Man, clearly Photoshopped. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you have 17 children? <laughs> so two little old ladies come next, and they try to pick him up. I try to pick him up and give him a ride, and he goes, "My mama won't let me." They're probably witches. And they, <laughs> and and David goes, "They said, why won't your mother let us give you a ride?" And he goes, "Well, that's her right there, following behind me." And she says, "I have to walk." So that was just one of many, many, many people who stopped and talked and tried to pick him up, and I felt like my license plate was being written down all day, and I felt like the police were going to come visit at any time, so. We didn't have cell phones back then, so when I got home, I called the pediatrician and school and told them, you know, that people took my license plate down and what had happened. I mean, they knew. School knew, but my pediatrician didn't. So in case I got arrested, (laughs) (laughs) your faces were covered. I'd have an alibi. I mean, have somebody come say what I was doing and why. But anyway, so uh, it didn't take him long. You know, he was home in 20 minutes. It wasn't like this was a full-time job. You know, he, he easily, got, you know, walked home. But it was not nearly as much fun as being on the bus with his friends or riding in the car. So we get home, and I said, now, do you understand that it was hot out here? And he said, yeah. And I said, and I know you were perfectly capable of doing this walking, but wouldn't sitting in a bus be much nicer? And he said, yes. And I said, so if you want to ride the bus, you have to mind the bus driver and do what the bus driver says. Because if I get a notification again, 
from the school that you're not behaving, then they goes, we will have to repeat this. And it could even turn into you have to walk every day that I'm off that I can follow behind you and make sure you're safe. So if that's what you want to walk every day, then just keep it up. <laughs> so went back to school, told the teachers. Well, Miss Hoff was kind of the Hobbs, not Hoff. Miss Hobbs was kind of the senior um, PE teacher of the two, and I volunteered for many years because David was the second of my three children. And uh, she, every time she'd see me, she goes, "I told that story at another conference, Miss High. I just love it when a parent follows through on punishment. It was awesome." She goes, "And you know what?" We never got another note about David on the bus, did we? <laughs> I said, no, we did not. Did, so, um, tell me, like, were there any times that Paige got in trouble? Oh, in, okay. In elementary this is school? what this is about, friends. This, this is what this is about. <laughs> I, want, I, I want to tell you the absolute positive truth. She hardly, not. hardly, hardly ever got in trouble. Yeah! She was this, she was born this sweet, and I, and I believe it was an answer to prayer because I I had Beth who was calm and, and cool. And saint. We all know her as the the saint, but we didn't know she was a saint as a baby, but she was easy. And then I had the baby that required so much energy. I I didn't know if I could do it. Dad, Dad, my, my husband says it is absolutely a miracle I agreed to have a third child after David. But I prayed. Did he trick you like Paige tricked me? No, I did not trick you. I did you. not. Actually, I probably was the other way around. <laughs> oh, so it does run to the family. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I prayed. I prayed. I prayed. I prayed. I prayed. I prayed every day. Please, Lord, give me a happy baby. I don't care if the baby's disformed. I don't care if the baby's disabled. I don't care if the baby has issues I have to work with. But, Lord Jesus, you know I need a happy baby. I cannot take another sad, angry baby. I can't do it. David also, like, cried from the moment he was... David also cried from the moment he was born. Screamed, screamed. And I just told my friend... I had a friend date yesterday. And I just told her, I feel, I really do feel guilty about that because, you know, now we have that medicine to give babies for helping their tummies. I mean, two of my children have needed it. Yeah. I wonder how acid reflux. And David is just, as an adult, David is a 35-year-old man now, and he has just in the last few months discovered he has acid reflux. And, and And the weird part about it is he goes, oh, my gosh, I didn't know you could eat pizza and not hurt. Mm. I had no idea spaghetti tasted like that. (laughs) That makes you feel awful. I feel like dirt. Scumbag. And I'm thinking, he screamed for two years of his life that if we'd had the medicine we had then, maybe it would have been different. He'd had a whole different outlook on life. Because you know how bad you feel when your tummy hurts. Right. You know, and and look how good the Lord is. I mean... He gave you a happy baby. That's you know, yeah, that deformed, 
Yeah. I am and, deformed. And, you know, whatever, whatever other issues. Mike used to tell people that I had a beard, and he'd be like, don't look too close, you'll see her beard. No, <laughs> like that, like in passing. Yeah, she got to shave twice a day. No. <laughs> She's like and a small I Italian child. I just I'm like, listen, I'm, I'm very comfortable with what my face looks like. I know I don't have a beard. <laughs> so when Paige was born, it was certainly an answer to prayer. She was a happy, content, joyful we were smiling baby. <laughs> she... She mind, she didn't cause any trouble. She did what I told her to. She just kind of, you know, wandered around and played with her toys. And she hardly ever fussed. She hardly ever cried. And I just, I, I praise the Lord all, all, all the time. I just could not believe how blessed I was. And then to further go on with the blessing, I've I've tried to tell my children about Jesus from the time they were born. I tried to tell all my children about Jesus from the time they were born, read Bible stories to them, tell them just stuff when we're riding in the car, put in CDs or DVD or all the cassettes back then, you know, that you just tell stories. I've always done stuff like that. But we were going to a church, and Paige was not out of the nursery. She was still in the nursery. She was talking, but we talk early, so she's probably about 18 months old. And they say, Miss High, did you donate these books to the nursery here at church? And I looked at them, and I went. We went to, like, small Episcopal, Episcopalian churches at that time. At that time. And I went, no, I don't believe I donated them. And she says, well, Paige knows all the stories by heart. We start them and Paige finishes them. Stop it. But she truly has loved Jesus since she since she was. I won't, I won't even say it's been since she could talk because I think she loved Jesus before she could talk. She just didn't know how to say she could love Jesus. She's my only child that, as she's growing up, would have quiet time with Jesus. So when I say Memphis loves Jesus from the time he was born, it's for real because he did. It it is true. It is true. That's debatable. It is true. Whatever. I, I just I it was just you know people ask me when did she when did she accept the Lord I I I don't know the Lord accepted her when she was born. Oh, now you're getting Calvinist on us. And, and <laughs> she and she accepted back you know I mean it was a mutual you know. I, I mean, I just, there was not a time. There was never a non-time. Now, did she get in trouble? Uh, rarely. She got called, the funniest thing was she got called to the office one time in high school. And she knew the, um, what do they call them now, the policemen's at school? SRO. Yeah, she knew him pretty well. He was kind of a funny, jokester kind of guy. So Paige knew him, and he knew that her name was Paige and stuff. And some teacher had gotten... I have no idea where we're going with this, guess. <laughs> uh, some teacher had gotten a not a pleasant letter from a page. And so page, he, in his brain... I knew it. I there, knew he did something bad. There was a page. You know, he knew a page. So he called page, my page, to the office. And he just, I mean, there was no like, page, did you do this? There was a... I'm just so ashamed of you. I cannot believe that you did this. How did you? Da- how dare you? I just can't. This this shouldn't even have come from you. I mean, he just kind of tore up one side and down another. And Paige was like, I have- uh, "This is audio. They don't know what you're doing." <laughs> I was aghast. She was. She was like. She was like. I have no idea what you're talking about. 
and like stood there with this look of confusion on her face. And so he goes, did you not write this letter to so-and-so? And she goes, she takes it from him. She goes, I have never seen this in my life. And also, like, here's I, my handwriting. I don't, <laughs> even, I don't have this teacher, and here's what my handwriting looks like. And so, I mean, she got out of it, but that was really even the closest she even got to being in trouble. So I never got called about anything. What about the leather pants incident? That was funny, but it didn't come to fruition. She didn't know about that until she was an, until I was an adult. I didn't own up to it until after. <laughs> no, I, I knew you bought them, remember? She didn't See, know the, I wore them to school. No. The thing no. about getting in trouble is that. Yeah. You got to get caught. Yes, yeah, she did. So. Yes, she did. Well, she, <laughs> the fact that she bought them was pretty, you know. I just like. Ho for show? Yeah, ho for show. And as I you, didn't think, okay, listen, that was in style. I was following trends. In my, like, I didn't know it was ho for sure. I, like, wouldn't have even classified it as that. I just was doing what everyone else was doing. They wanted to do the center part, babe. Oh, I can't now. I can't. I've grown up, guys. I've grown up. I can't do it. Well, I had a friend that had left St. Thomas and was working at Vanderbilt, and she came over to the house. to. I'm very good at scheduling, and she came to get some help. So Paige had been with a friend and bought these pants and puts them on and comes out, and my friend about drops her mouth. She cannot believe that Paige has got these pants on. And, and rightfully she, so, I don't think it's appropriate. As she a says, "I 100 percent do." Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah, you want to look at 11 year old Paige? No, uh, no. Uh, uh, she, you were, you were, she was 11. Yeah, I was. You're getting, yeah. you're getting, st- getting then she, early. Then she says, "You're not going to let her wear those, are you?" I said, "She'll make the right decision." And she said, "She goes." No, I mean the, her eyes are like. No, oh, let's qualify this. You told me I couldn't. No, no, no. No, this is what I told you, and you're you're getting ahead of myself. (laughs) So so I said she'll make the right decision. I said to her that she'll make the right decision. And she says, you're not going to, like, demand she throw those away or something? And I said, I said, just wait. And so she comes back out, and I said to her, do you know what those page say? A page those pants say, and Paige says, "No." I said, and I said the word, but I won't for this podcast. I said, "They say f me." Oh, hands out! <laughs> at you know, standing with a uh, uh, a style of "Come get me," and I said, "Now if that's the message that you're trying to send is f me." Bravo, because that is exactly the message you're sending. However, if that is not the message you want to send, I would put those away. <laughs> and so my friend's like, mouth hanging open, like, I can't believe you just said that to her. Isn't that what they say? And she went, uh, well, you, well, yeah. That's well. not what they say. <laughs> Mom's like, it's been a couple of years since I've been out there. Isn't that what the people say? <laughs> I'm like, you know, it's kind of that whole thing. If you're old enough to ask, you're old enough to know. If you're old enough to bring out something stupid like that, you're old enough to hear what it is. <laughs> Guys, welcome to my child. <laughs> um, but I did wear them to school. I wore them one day. She wore something else to school and changed because you did not wear them to school. You left for work. Oh. I took them over to Allison Dean's house, and oh. I did put well, them on, go. and I there went to the bus stop with her. There you what go. was Allison Dean's parents, huh? 
already at work. Uh, and then I wore them to school, got made fun of, came home, took them immediately off and never wore oh, them again and returned them to the school store. Yeah. You got made fun of? I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, apparently Jennifer Aniston could wear them, but not me. Listen, Jennifer Aniston could wear them. That's, that's correct. <laughs> I think I had that poster. Maybe she is the one saying arms open. <laughs> come, <laughs> come get me, men boy. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah, so. I thought you for sure were going to tell us. There has been one time in my life where I vividly remember disrespecting mom. I called her a B word. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to. bad mom. No. No, no. well, that, yeah, that is probably, and, and my grandchildren, I, I, I had that discussion with them. Uh, um, you know, Paige has four beautiful children, and I really do love them, and they're all their sweet individual selves. But in, okay. even even with that, you know, Nana and Nana's liberal, I mean, not liberal, politics, liberal in being a grandmother. And I do let them get away with stuff that I wouldn't as a mother. But there's a line, and disrespect is the line. Like, and it's so weird. It's true, because like I, w- I looked out back the other day, and Memphis is out there smoking a cigarette. <laughs> and I'm like, Memphis, what are you doing? He was like, I'm Na-. respecting he's Nana. Like, he's like, Nana gave me this. And I was like, <laughs> put it out. He goes... That'd be disrespectful. <laughs> no, no, that did not happen. No more Nana's house for the rest of the day. <laughs> Give me that cigarette. <laughs> well, we went swimming, and Zola, the eight, the two year old, uh, was disrespectful, and she, I, I spanked her, and then I cried buckets because I'd never spanked her, and it just tore me all to pieces. And I said to Zola. Oh, I said to Zola in front of Zayo, um, I said, Nana loves you, and Nana will put up with a lot of stuff, but Nana will not put up with disrespect. Isn't that right, Zayo? And she went, oh, yes, ma'am, that is totally right. Don't res- disrespect Nana. You be in big trouble. <laughs> so they know. They're learning anyway. Oh, Mom, you know what story you should tell? You should tell the story about when we went to go to the Mall of America. Yes, I should tell that. How? So why did you guys go to, like... That's that's a good story. Because Paige has said, like, you know, her dad was a truck, a long-haul trucker. And so sometimes Paige would go, sometimes David would go, Beth would go, and sometimes, you know. But didn't you you all go? It was a whole family affair. In in the cab. In the cab. In the sleep. It was a sleeper, though, right? Sleeper. It's basically a twin bed. It's a little longer than a twin bed. It has a empty space underneath, which some truckers have, you know, things under their bed, like, you know, storage and stuff like you'd have. We didn't. We Winston didn't have any storage under his bed. And then there's an open space in front of the bed that, like, for your feet. I mean, it's but it's long. It's as long as the bed, and it's like you could put shoes or whatever, or it's, it was, or it could be just open. And um, what happened was I, there's a little. There used to be a little store in um, Laverne, Laverne, main main downtown Laverne that used to didn't have a red light. That um, I used to go to the grocery store there, and every week they'd have a little drawing. You just sign your name and your. I think you put your phone number on it and put it in a little box. Well, one day out of the blue, I get a phone call, and it said I'd won their drawing. And uh, I said, I 
one off. That crab drives me crazy that you and Paige win that crap. <laughs> I never win anything. And I know, I, I'm not a big winner either. And I was just like, what? What did I win? What did I get? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, oh, you've heard that before. I'm like so excited now. And it was like, I think it was, it might have been three days. I think it was three days. It was three nights in a hotel. Well, you know, as usual, it comes with all kinds of um, caveats. I, you know, you can only go to certain hotels, and you had to call them to see if they had time at that time you wanted to go, and all this stuff. And my very cheap neighbors that live behind me, that I asked them what I should do, and she said I should stay in Nashville. And in hindsight, maybe that had been a great idea. But would we have had this story? <laughs> no, we wouldn't have this story. So Daddy goes, I know where we can go. It's somewhere I've been wanting to take you. Did, did Winston really get that excited? Yeah. No. You were very much. Mo- no way. This yeah. is the most excited I've ever seen my dad Yippee! <laughs> and at that, at that volume too. Yeah, 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 like solid. Like mom is the exuberant, has all the emotions. She can't breathe. Has all the emotions for everyone. Dad is a bump on a log. Like he's not very like just chill, even until he's not. And then it to this day scares me when my dad gets mad. Scares Zayo too. Yeah, no. No. Well, he said, I know where we need to go. Uh, I've been wanting to take you guys there for a long time. Now, he wouldn't even tell me where we were going. I didn't know. I didn't know where we were going to. We, I just knew. What? You didn't even check with the hotel to see if it would. I knew the hotel. Oh. I knew the hotel. I knew the city. I got the reservations, but I didn't know that across from this hotel was the Mall of America. I'd never heard of the Mall of America. This is pre-internet. Right. This is pre-like, you probably had to look it up in a phone book or yeah. call 411. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Called information to get the phone number of this hotel. Yeah. They actually gave me a little pamphlet of different hotels and stuff, and that was one of them. So... <laughs> I got to tell you this stuff first, then I'll go back to what really happened on the way. But we get to this. I come by it honest, guys, is what you're hearing. We get to this hotel. It takes us like two days, two nights and three days to get there. We get there late in the evening. And wow, it is like deluxe. I mean. Very opulent. It had guys standing out front to ballet park you. And this is back in the. 80s, early 90s. 95-ish. Yeah. And, um, it, you know, it's just like that, I don't know how to describe it, just that ambient lighting all around, and you could just see the 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 um, opulence and, you know, the, the all the features were nice. And, and, and so we are in a semi. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and valley part that. 40 foot semi and and so we parked in this parking lot and get our bags which are um you know just duffel bags and stuff you know we're not louis vuitton so we like that was absolutely the clientele guys like the nicest of nicest hotels louis vuitton was normal so we come with our duffel bags and maybe even some croaker bags (laughs) 
And um, at least it wasn't Christmas with like right. a trash. <laughs> yeah. right. That's another story. And we hiked across the road over there, and that I mean, like six guys were just about like in tears that they couldn't valet our parkas because it was just like so important to them for their job, and and we're like, we cannot explain enough to them. There is nothing to valet park. And they're like, we can take care of it. Where did you park it? What can we do? Where is it? And we're like, no. So anyway, we get there, and there are pilots and stewardesses. This is where they put them up. And so all the clientele are, you know, dressed in suits and ties and really nice. And on the way up there, my husband's a truck driver, and he wears uh, those steel-toed boots. He calls them clodhoppers. And these were truly clot hoppers because on the way there, the sole had cracked. So he took duct tape and swirled it around the shoe. So he's got a the shoe top of it. The top with, of it. with duct tape on the bottom for the brake and around the top to steady it. So he's got a midsection of duct tape going into this <laughs> opulent <laughs> hotel. <laughs> I'm yeah. so glad I was too young to be embarrassed. Ah, <laughs> I, I think Winston stayed in the room and watched TV. Me and the kids went to the Mall of America. He did go with us one day to the Mall of America. But you know what I did? I took myself right out there by that pool, and I laid on their very nice lounge chair, and I enjoyed their very nice pool. For all and, of your three days of free vacation. I enjoyed my three days of free vacation, and I didn't care, because you know what? Them people in them nice suits and stuff, they didn't come out to the pool. I had to pull all to myself. <laughs> but anyway, that's not really the funny story. The funny story is... I mean, that is a really good one. The funny story is... That, I don't know exactly what the square footage is of a back of a semi. And there are various sizes now, and they can come very, very, very nice. But his was probably, I'm going to say, around six feet square, somewhere in that ballpark. So, Daddy A likes to go to bed at sunset. Mm-hmm. So, the first night we left home that morning, and we got somewhere at sunset and daddy parks and so with much persuasion i got all the kids to go to bed this is also pre-melatonin days pre-melatonin pre-anything we could have no. been out we could give you some drugs if we'd have known benadryl, benadryl. Yeah. no i'd already tried benadryl on a trip to new orleans and my pediatrician said well with your children i'm not even sure that will work <laughs> She said, on some children, it causes the opposite effect. Just beware. I was like, oh, great. So anyway, so um, with much persuasion, they did cooperate. They were, they were excited. There was excitement mode still going, and we're going on this trip, you know. And so how we slept was mom and daddy in the, uh, the bed, uh, the, the twin bed of the camper, Paige, Slept at the foot, because like I say, it's a longer twin bed, so there was plenty of room, like two feet probably that we didn't use, so she was down there. And then, um, where did Paige sleep? Beth slept. At the foot, at the, where you put your shoes on. But David did. David slept underneath the bed. No, that was this, that's how he ended up. David had not supposed to have slept there. 
Beth and I hung out. I think David slept with us. I think David slept behind. That's it. David slept behind me on on the bed, and Beth slept there on the floor where you put your feet. That's how it was. That the original night. Okay, so that went okay. Everything's fine. We all finally got to sleep at crack of sunset, and. um, the next morning, of course, woke up early, ate breakfast, got back on the road. And um, so the next night comes, and the girls are like, Mama, please, Mama, please, Mama, please, do not let us make us go to bed. <laughs> now when Daddy wants to, let us sit up front. Well, my husband had a little portable TV that you could put, a, I think, a VCR tape in. And so... I was like, okay. So I let the girls sit up front in the front two seats. And uh, watch TV, watch watch tapes. And David uh, laid, took the opportunity to have more space to himself. And he laid down on the floor where Beth had laid, where you put your feet. And he went sound asleep. So it's me and Winston, we're asleep. David's asleep on the floor. Girls up front in the two, you know, driver and passenger seat watching movies. Well, about midnight, the girls go, Mama, Mama, you know, crying. I'm like, what? And they go, we're cold. We want to go to bed. <laughs> you know. Well, I get Paige back, and she's not too hard to get settled at the foot of the bed because that space is fairly available. Well, then I have David. Well, David is like dead weight. He's not really that big. He probably never weighed over 40, 45 pounds. So David's asleep. And if he hadn't been asleep, I got I could have picked him up. But he was so just just there. I couldn't I, I kept trying, trying to pick him up. Winston's asleep. I'm trying to make this semi-quiet, getting the kids back to bed. And so I was able to pull on David's side. And when I did that, he rolled under the bed. Well, that really wasn't my maybe intentions, but it kind of was like, <laughs> ding, 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 we have a winner, you know? So I said to Beth, come on and lay right here where you were. So we settled back down. The stone had rolled in front of <laughs> the tomb. <laughs> yeah. So we all go back to sleep, and we're back to sleep for few hours and all of a sudden I we hear I mean loud loud banging Winston shot up 90 degrees just like somebody was breaking into the the truck well, he, he probably thought that was that's going on. exactly yeah. what he thought was something what was happening and I as a mother knew immediately what was happening and so I also set up at 90 degrees and I'm on the right side of Winston, I flung my left arm out, slapped him back in the abdomen and made him fall back, flew over him like a cat jumping out of a bed, swarmed over Beth, and all I could see, and it's dark, is David's little hand sticking out from the abyss. <laughs> and, and, and like he, he's over Beth, but his hand's like up, and he doesn't know that Beth's like right under his hand. He's just got his hand up searching for anything. Sc- air, air. Sc- screaming. And so I, I truly, it's like that superhuman mama strength you get when, you know, one of your babies is in distress. And I grabbed his arm and just went whoosh. 
and pulled him up with one move and like he's in my lap. And he goes, oh, mama, 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 I'm so scared. I thought you put me in a box and shipped me somewhere. (laughs) And then that teacher called you. He's like, I love when a parent follows through. (laughs) (laughs) And I can't say we probably hadn't said that to David a few times in his life. And then he thought we'd followed through. (laughs) Bless his little heart. It was quite traumatic. He is, like I say, 35 years old today, and he still cannot stand to hear that story. I really do think it was a psychologically traumatic event. (laughs) He's like still super distressed by it. He is still super distressed by it. Small areas. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He just, he, he said he woke up and like felt all around and all he could feel around him was hard surfaces. And, oh, poor buddy. And then he like stuck that arm out, but he didn't know that Beth was there. He just, he just knew there was air there and he was just screaming for mama. <laughs> Bless his heart. I just, <laughs> I just had no idea when I rolled him under there that that was what was going to happen, but. It has become a favorite. <laughs> I think Sorry. it feels like David was an awful brother to have growing up. And so for us, it's kind of like, vengeance is mine. You know, like, I love hearing that story because I'm like, you know what? You tortured me my entire childhood. So, sure. True. Stay in the like, box. Stay in the box. True. <laughs> true that. True that. Tell, tell us true. the story. So it, we didn't intentionally have the theme of David. But, like, I mean, you know. But the shoe fits. But the shoe fits. I mean, he, he the <laughs> thing is, like, a lot of the stuff David didn't do, it happened to him. Um, tell us about the time that you almost, you, you, you let David almost die from his, from his knee injury. Well, as a nurse, and every, any, any child of a medical person will tell you this, there's, I've now, now in this day and age, there's Facebook pages of y'all's misery of being children of medical parents. We never had Band-Aids in our house, huh, guys. Never. Nope. They weren't allowed. You nope. some dirt and some spit. Nope. Band-Aids weren't allowed because they used them. They wanted them on everything. They thought they were stickers. And so I, my, and I, most medical peoples I've heard, I, I've concurred with that, we don't go to seek other help for our children unless we see excessive bleeding, uh, unconsciousness, and or death. And if they didn't meet those categories, we stayed home and waited to see what happened. <laughs> so, David, Mr. Active, you know, he he could skateboard with unbelievable balance he could ride his bike you know and stand on the steering wheel and the seat and do run down the hill and I mean you know he was just he could do anything his balance is incredible he just was always always active always in the woods always going and so he started complaining about um four months before I did anything about it, uh, um, about his knee. He said, Mama, my knee just doesn't feel right. And so I said, well, come here. How old was he? Mm. He was about eight, I think, when it started. And um, 
I said, well, come here. Let me see. And so I I did the range of motion. I bent his, I took his foot. I bent his leg up. His, it bent. It didn't do any crackling or, you know, any, uh, it didn't hurt when I did that. You know, it didn't, there was no swelling. Um, I rotated his leg. I, you know, straightened it. I, you know, straightened it out the other way. I kind of did all the range of motion. Everything worked. So I said, I don't know. Just take a couple of Tylenol. You'll be okay. I don't, I just, we'll wait and see. So over the next few months, he just keeps mentioning, not every day, but every once in a while that his knee still hurts. So um, one day we go to Walmart and we're walking beside each other and I'm walking along and I turn and I'm like, well, where's David? And I look, and about 20 feet back on the aisle, is there he is sitting. And I went, so I went back to where he was sitting. I went, what are you doing on the floor? And he goes, I keep telling you, my knee goes out. <laughs> I was like, oh, word. <laughs> Whoops. I was like, okay, 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 we'll call the doctor tomorrow. So called the pediatrician. I felt very vindicated because when we got there, she did the exact same exam I did and also felt that there was nothing wrong. But she said, because he's been complaining for four months, we really do need to follow up. And so we made an appointment with an orthopedic doctor, which was kind of a friend of mine from St. Thomas. And he, his, his wife's a nurse, and he, they got like four kids, and, you know, we just kind of got along. And... Um, so I go and see him, and um, they do x-rays and everything. And then we're in this room forever and ever and ever and ever. You know, sometimes you will wait on a doctor, but it's usually prior to seeing them, not after you've had the x-rays and talked to them, you know. And so finally he comes back in, and, you know, he goes, Ann, I said, Yes, he says, he's shaking his head. This is very serious. What David has is something we call osteochondritis desiccans, OCD for short. He said, um, what it means is he's injured his leg, his patella, which is a kneecap in particular, and a small um, new moon-like shape piece of his patella has actually separated from the rest of the patella, and it's dying because it's not getting any blood flow. And when it dies, it will kind of break into pieces and cause all kinds of problems in his knee, and he'll, he'll end up needing a knee replacement early 20s, and it, he'll have knee problems the rest of his life. It, it, it's, it's, I'm so sorry. It's just really, really bad. And, you know, it was really hard for him to tell somebody he'd worked with and knew mm. a hard story like that. It wasn't like cancer, but it was going to be a lifelong yeah. disability. He says, I, to be honest with you, I don't work with it. I hardly ever see it. He said, but we got Dr. Anderson, 
and he's actually done some research on it. He's written some papers on it. And so he's going to come in and see you in a minute, and you're going to start working with Dr. Anderson, and we'll we'll do the best we can for David. I said, okay. So what were you feeling right then? I was in shock. I was just like, what? You know, David, active, boing, 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 you know, David, you know, I just couldn't even imagine him not moving. What do you mean that he's going to have something wrong, lifelong problems in his knee? Oh, my word, you know, and I didn't know at that time what the treatment was. So we wait again for a long time. And then Dr. Anderson comes in. Kind of explains it all over again. And he says, um, the number one thing that David's going to have to do is be immobile. He, it requires total lack of movement to heal. I look at him with a dead stare. And he's like, what? I said, have you met him? Do you have a total body cast? Like a constant morphine drip for the next hour. I'm sure months? David at right then is like already moving all around the, the room, has figured out 17 different ways to dismantle everything that's in the room. Yeah, well, he did eventually with Dr. Anderson. I'm not sure he did it that day, but I, I just was like, defeated before we even started. There's no way. There is no way I am going to keep David still. And they gave him this like contraption, right? So they give him an immobilizer to him. And um, I'm not going to make this short long, go long because it could be just tremendously long. But over the next four years, they give him an immobilizer. He tore up uh, four or five of them. They kept giving him mobilizer. They could not believe that somebody could do that to an immobilizer in like a six-month time period because he's not immobile. Right. I told school he couldn't play soccer anymore. He told the coach that, that the doctor released him after a week and he was still playing soccer. Oh. Um, you know, David did absolutely nothing. I mean, he was just as recalcitrant as he could possibly be about all of the doctor's orders. If the doctor said, you know, be still, he was doing jumping jacks. I mean, he did absolutely play basketball, ran. He There was no immobility. David, ugh, David and immobility are as far as the east from the west. There's no immobility. <laughs> so, um, he had surgery when he was about 12, where they went in uh, through that dying tissue, that dying bone, into the good bone. And the point was to try to cause some bleeding through that to make it regenerate. Oh, that didn't work. And then they gave him a bone stimulator to where David had to, you know, he wrapped it up in aluminum foil, made it sci-fi, and told Dr. Anderson that's why it was working. And <laughs> Dr. Anderson was willing to go with anything, you know, at that point. But anyway, this goes on for years and years and years. And so it finally comes to accumulation when I went to a Bible study one night at church, and... um Miss Betty was teaching, and Miss Betty was talking about that one of her sons that had had a tractor accident, and it had caused his leg to be shorter. 
and they went they went to a revival and at this revival they had prayed as a family for Philip's leg and right there right there at that revival in front of them Philip's leg straightened mm, come on lord I know. Won't he do it, you know? Yeah. Like, won't God do it? Yeah. And I, you know, of course, is very impacted by that. Because right. <laughs> it's your son. It is your son's leg. Right. So I come home, and I'm sitting in the chair. We had a chair in our bedroom, and you kids were all asleep. And uh, I hear in my head, uh, get up and pray for the David's leg as a family. Was dad home at this time? No. I can't remember. No, it's just the girls and, and David. And um, I was like, oh, well, the kids are already asleep. I hate to go wake them up. And I picked my Bible back up, and it was like louder. I said, get up and pray for David's leg as a family. I'm like, okay, 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 okay. Also, how gracious is God to tell us again? I know, you know? I know. Like, because what if? What if that wasn't the case? I know. What if there's not a second chance? So I go get Beth up, and, you know, Beth's very compliant, very willing, and she comes right with me. She doesn't ask questions. I get to you, and you're like, I don't want to get up. I don't know how to go. Why are we going? Why are we doing it? What's this up about? Why? why? I still don't wake up very well. She does no, not wake up good. And I said to her, God said for us to go pray for David. Then immediately, Paige is like, oh, okay. <laughs> so we go into come into here, this room, to David's room. And we laid our hands on David's knee, and we prayed. And I don't remember exactly what I prayed, but I do remember that I prayed that whatever was blocking his healing to be removed. Come on, yeah. And I don't know what y'all prayed, you know. What? And I don't know what you girls prayed, obviously. But Did David wake up? I think he kind of... Opened his eyes a little bit and just closed them back. He didn't. He didn't actively participate. Mm-hmm. Well, the doctor had told him that the next option was to have another surgery and take bone from his hip and graft it to his knee to see if it would heal. Because I mean, he lectured David on and on and on about how serious this was and how we're talking lifelong injury and how we're talking about been able to get married and raise a family and support his family. And, you know, it, you know, one ear and out the other. It meant nothing to David. And so it took me really about, we usually went every two months to see the doctor, and it took me about four months to get him there because he didn't want to go. Every time I'd make an appointment, I can't go there. They got soccer practice. Did you ever tell David about the time that we prayed about him because he wasn't awake? Oh, yeah, he knew. Yeah. Like that night as a family? Yeah, he knew later. Not that night he didn't know, but later. So um, anyway, finally get back to see Dr. Anderson. And and and, and David, n- David never stayed put in the room. You know, they put you in a room. David never stayed put. He would, he would bounce around out there in the office looking for Dr. Anderson, talking to him at the viewing place where the doctor looked at the x-rays and stuff so david comes running back in he goes it's no different it's no different it's no different not at all just like it always is which is what we've been hearing for four years and i just kind of went like that and to be honest with you i totally was not even thinking about the praying for david 
Right. It's four months later. And Dr. Anderson comes in and he says, Anne, I can't find it. There is absolutely no reference to it. Mm-hmm. I cannot see a hairline image of where the fracture was. I cannot see any separation. That bone is completely attached, just like it was never separated. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened. Right. Well, after four years of going and listening to terrible stories, literally I was like this. Mouth open, just in awe. I really couldn't talk. Carla couldn't say anything. Really couldn't, really didn't absorb it all. So we walked out of the, uh, he said, but I don't want to see you in two months. <laughs> so we left the doctor's office. We got through the doors of the building and then it hit me on the sidewalk. Mm. And I just started jumping up and down. I was holding David's hands and I was doing <laughs> this, jumping up and down. And David's like, what? And I said, oh my gosh, David, God healed you. He and he used your stubbornness to prove that it was him because you did absolutely nothing to make it be medical. It was all Jesus. Jesus has healed you, son. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you, Lord. 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 Oh, my gosh. I'm just beside myself. I can't believe it. Can't wait for two more months to go by. Well, I told one of the nurse anesthetists that worked with Dr. Anderson in the OR, and she says, you know, something's changed with him. He used to listen to different music in the OR, and now he asks us to put on Christian radio in the oh, OR. Come on. Yeah. So. You know what I've never once thought about? What do surgeons listen to while they do surgery? Never once been a Some of them that. listen to hard rock. <laughs> heavy metal. Some of them do listen to heavy metal. Some of them listen to jazz. I mean, they all have their yeah, of course thing. But anyway, the Macarena on repeat. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know that anybody hey, does, hey, but I. <laughs> but um, so um, I, her two month appointment comes, and we go to see him, and of course I'm now I'm ready, you know. You get in there, and <laughs> so um, when. He comes in. He goes, it looks great, Ann. I can't tell any. I mean, it still looks just great. Can't tell ever anything was ever wrong with it. I mean, it is perfect. It's just just exactly the way, you know, it was built. There's no problem at all. And I said, Dr. Anderson, I cannot thank you enough. And I know you have done everything you possibly could for David. And I know he's done everything he possibly could to make it not work. <laughs> and I just want to tell you what happened. And Did I said, you tell him about, like, Dr. Betty? Or- Miss Betty? No, I didn't tell him that. I just said I went to Bible. I went to church, and I f- was home doing my Bible study, and I felt like the Lord was telling me to pray for David as a family. And I said I got my girls up out of bed, and I took them to David's room, and we prayed for David as a family, and God healed him. Mm-hmm. I said I I'm not dissing you, Doctor Doctor Anderson. I know you tried. I said, but God healed him, mm-hmm. and Doctor Anderson, this is exactly what he did. He went. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And I said, that is exactly how I feel. And then I'm going to see you in two months. He made us come for a whole year, every two months, to make sure it's okay. 
It was David's heart. But it was always okay. They just never... He never... He never responds in a grateful way, unfortunately. Now, I will say, on another story about David, he did, in a little way, sort of, acknowledge. But this time, he just was like, okay. Yeah, whatever. So, so you're, like, you're jumping up and down, you're holding his hands, you're saying, like, God healed you, God healed you. And his response is? Nothing. Nothing? Just blank stare? Yeah, and he didn't say nothing. No happy, no sad, no BS. I mean, no, there was no rebellion about it. Sure. But there was no celebration about it either. But when we went to Florida when, with the cousins, the, my uh, nephew had caught a, a, a catfish kind of thing down there. And the catfish um, down there, apparently they have some kind of wings that they can flail out and stab you with. And when David was holding it to show one of the cousins, it did that. And then Sterling, one of our cousins, pulled it out. But it it went up. It went up here in the fat part of David's palm up towards his pointer finger. And um, anyway, it was very, very painful. And he, David was crying and crying and crying and crying. Well, I took him back to the hotel room and I... I got in the shower with him. I took a shower with him. We wrapped up in a big old towel. Oh, I don't he's young enough I could take a shower with him, you know. He's little, but I don't know. Ten, ten, I don't know. Ten or younger, I guess. But anyway. Um, Okay, first of all, you were naked all the time growing up. So I mean I don't I think it But he wasn't going through puberty. I know, but I'm just saying like if you were naked right now and David walked in he wouldn't think anything of it, and he'd keep going with his story. He would. Same for us. I mean, all of us. Like, we'd be like, yeah. not, not, not all of us. <laughs> not all of us. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I'm just saying, like, you can't be, like, old enough for me not to take a shower. I don't know. You well, I mean, to take I, a shower I today. didn't take like, showers no, with you guys once you went through puberty because all of you, you know, everybody, every child when they go through puberty thinks nobody else has ever seen anything like they have, and, <laughs> and they hide it all, you know. I still believe that. <laughs> Okay. Whatever. So, <laughs> so anyway, so we're on the beach with we're the on fish. the beach, and I took a you know, and, I, and he keeps crying. Then he starts crying for daddy, and I'm like, "Why do you want your dad?" I mean, daddy was coming, but he hadn't got there yet. Truck driver, you know. And I said, "What do you want your daddy for?" I couldn't figure out what daddy's expertise in this was going to be. And I, <laughs> yeah, you're like, "I'm the medical professional here. I can take care of your hand." <laughs> and finally, figure out that daddy had sleeping pills that he shared with David when they were all on the road. Oh. And that's what he wanted. He wanted a pill to go to sleep. So you're like, I might have those. I I didn't at the time, but anyway. So um, we're laying there, and and Ernie and our other cousin had come over and kind of looked at David, and they I think were uncomfortable because we was naked under a towel, and they left. And so um, yes, mom, that's exactly what that was. I was pretty sure. <laughs> Sure Your brother-in-law was looking at you while you were in a towel naked. Yes, he was yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah, and they left. And so then then, uh, <laughs> then David says, 
I mean, he's still crying. He's really. Okay, I mean, so can you explain it to me again? It's in the like the fleshy part. It of goes your up palm. in the flesh. It, it it went in here at like the like below your little finger. Hey, that's fat right there. It went in right there and went straight up to his big big pointer finger, and it's all the way through. And and the fin of the fish. It's like a it's a it's like a bone with. Thing yeah. It hurt. And it and so David is breathing in pain, just like I, it, this is horrendous. And David even never, though it, it even yeah, my brother has. He never all has the pain. Never has pain. So he, it's pulled out, and it's still painful. Very. Why? I don't I know. Mean, Probably, just, I mean, there's probably some kind of toxins. Well, it's gone all. Yeah, it's probably released toxins, and it's gone through. I mean, it's ripped through tissue. You okay. know, inside. I mean, I'm just. I don't. No. I don't really know, but. I'll tell you, and I'll get that in a minute because I'm going to tell this part first, I think. Anyway, so at this point when I don't have daddy and I don't have the medicine to make him go to sleep and I'm holding Dave and he's crying, he goes, can't you pray? I went, oh, pray, pray, pray. <laughs> yeah, well, of course I can yeah, pray. I, I can do that. <laughs> yeah. So about that time, Beth had walked in. So I told her over and I said, Beth, let's pray for David as a family, you know. And so we prayed and we just prayed that his pain would go away. I remember specifically, we prayed that, prayed that his pain would go away, that it was our very first day of vacation, that he would still have a great vacation, that this wouldn't ruin his vacation, that he'd have a good time, and um, that this that this you know hand would would heal well. Those were my prayers, and um, he went to sleep right after that. After I prayed, he went right to sleep, slept all night, got up the next morning, couldn't tell it even been stuck, had no swelling, no redness, no pain. No nothing. Played the rest of the week with the cousins. Avoided the fish. <laughs> oh, so he did learn about <laughs> yeah. Avoided the fish. Got home you know, on the computers at work. Now we didn't have, like you say we didn't have personal cell phones back then. Personal computers, but we did have computers at work. I started looking it up, and apparently it's a very poisonous experience for your body. I mean, not like kill you poisonous, but localized poison. And normally your hand swells up and stays swollen about twice the size for about two weeks. And it's very painful. So God answered every one of my prayers. Right. He he enjoyed his vacation. He had no pain. You know, his hand was fine. He didn't have any trouble with it. You know. And so what was David's reaction when you... When you prayed over him that time? Well, he'd asked for the prayer. Mm-hmm. And he right. went right to sleep. Right. But I can't say there was any gratitude for the whole thing. Right. And I've told him about these prayers in years past. And he still is fairly noncommittal about the whole thing. I mean, he'll go, hmm, hmm, hmm. But as we go through, now this is going to be kind of, I guess, controversial, but a lot of people feel like we're living in the end times. Now, whether the end times are tomorrow, 15 years from now, or 300 years from now, I don't know. Well, each day that we live, Jesus is coming back a day sooner. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so, right. sure, I can give that we are broadly living in the end times. I have never been told this by God. This is totally and high. This is not Holy Spirit. This is not Jesus Christ. This is not God Almighty. This is and high. But I've always felt like... That David might be a um, 
end times preacher, like after the rapture, mm-hmm. after the rapture, because he will know. He will know why everybody's gone. He will know what his mother knew. Right. He told people one time when he was little, you tell your friends I don't know God, but I don't know how you I can have you for a mother and not know God. <laughs> I said, well, I don't know how you can have me for a mother and not know God either, but you just managed to pull it off. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I told the story about you in the shower praying for David. Well, Mike told me that I need to be in the mic. Tell the story of David of you praying for David while you were in the shower. When David is very no, he was he was twelve or thirteen at this time, and we had neighbors that I, we aggravated a lot. And David had been shooting off firecrackers, and she was a little over dramatic, but. But anyway, David shot off a firecracker. This was the story I heard. David shot off a firecracker. The firecracker went over to their house. It hit a hammock, and it burned a hole that was so minute you couldn't even see it. It was not even pinhead side. But anyway, burned a hole in the hammock, which would have, could have caused the hammock to catch on fire. And if the hammock caught on fire, then it would make the lawnmower, which was underneath it, catch on fire. And then it would blow up, and then their entire house would blow up and burn up. And she called the police and discussed this with them, and they told her she didn't have to live this way. That sounds about right. I want to know what the police wanted her to do, move. Because we might have all cheered. <laughs> I was like, I, you know, it was just, it was just one of those uncle moments, you know. She has since moved. <laughs> I did not. What am I going to do? First of all, there's no, there's a tiny, tiny, there, these are all suppositions. None of this happened except for the firecracker went off and burned a pinhole in the hammock, which I did offer to purchase a hammock. That's the only thing I knew that. You didn't want to replace the lawnmower the or the home? The exploding house? No. What about I the tree mean, that was hanging on to it? The hammock was hanging on to it. I feel like those were I mean, necessary. <laughs> so I was like, no, she didn't want a hammock. She just wanted it to stop. Make him stop. Make him stop shooting off fireworks, so. You know, call David, please quit shooting off fireworks. Go out into the woods, shoot off fireworks, do something. Don't shoot them off here, blah, blah, blah. But it's just one of those uncle moments. You know, you just had enough. I was, oh, it was crises after crises after crises after crises after crises after crises dealing with David. There was never anything peaceful about his childhood. It was just one fire after another. And I was uncle. So I went and got in the shower because me and Jesus do good in two places, one near water and one out in the woods where I can just lay down out in the woods. So at that moment, I decided on the water. (laughs) So I went and got in the shower and I started screaming and crying and banging on the frame to the shower and telling God that I didn't want him. I didn't want David. I didn't want to be his mother. That it was not fair to uh, push that upon me. That I was not prepared to deal with all that. I was wore out with it. And he could have him back because I was done. 
I don't know what you expect me to do with this child. Everything happens. I can't please anybody. Every, uh, every, whatever he does is wrong, and everybody yells at me. And so, after I quit crying and screaming and banging on the walls, I hear a calm voice. I want you to love him. Oh, heck no! You do not want me to love him. You have got to be kidding me. That is exactly the point. I cannot love this child. He drives me absolutely stark raving mad. If you want somebody to love him, you love him. You take him. You love him. You gave him to me. You're like, I'll I'll be Abraham. I'll provide him as the sacrifice. Yeah. Like, don't, yeah. don't, don't worry. Where do you want me to put him on that altar? <laughs> and now I was like, heck to the freaking no, I'm not going to love him. That is your problem. You love him. I'll try to keep taking care of him, but I can't. I just can't. I cannot. I cannot do it. Cannot love him anymore. He's killing me. And then silence and water pours over me. And I hear, you love him. Let me change him. Mm. And I went, okay. But good luck. You're going to need some help. There is a lot to change. And I'm going to have to figure out what it means to love him because I don't know what that means. I've tried. I've tried. I think you love David very well. It's been a very hard... He has put a lot of hardness in there. I, I tried, but I don't know that I would have... <laughs> Continue to right. had not God and I had this encounter. God and David, David knows that we had this encounter. He doesn't know what happened, but he knows his life changed. He could tell the difference. Mm. He David said, doesn't know about this thing. Yeah, he does. Well, he doesn't. You know what I'm saying? He does. Just like everything, he blows off anything with God. Right. So he says he'll say, "You remember when me and you had a hard time getting along, Mom?" Mm-hmm. And then it got better. <laughs> We've been fine since. Man, you great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, that's his intake of it. Right. Well, I looked up. I didn't take, I don't take things lightly. And if I don't understand something, I look them up. And I looked it up. I looked up every Bible verse I could find that talked about love. And much to my surprise, I found out that love meant loving who they were, mm. who they are, and not who you want them to be. Yeah. And that is the hardest thing of all. Yeah. Especially probably for a nurse, a mother, a mover and a shaker, somebody that wants to, you know, change the world. I wanted to change him. I wanted to mold him into the man that he could be. I wanted to make him a man I could be proud of. 
But God showed me that wasn't my job. My job was purely to love him and let God change him. And David's right. We have had a totally different relationship since then. Because I I don't try to change him. I tell him I love him. It doesn't mean I don't give him my opinion about things. I do. Right. But I don't try to force my thoughts and opinions on him anymore. And it's something you have to practice. It takes practice to love somebody who can be so unlovable. Yeah. Because he hasn't... I mean, this isn't going to be a rag on David podcast because... I love my brother as difficult as he is, and that's not our our place here, but he's put you through some of the hardest years of your life um, and says some very hurtful things. Mm-hmm. And so there's been a great work in the Lord and you partnering together to figure out what it looks like to love someone who quite presents himself as quite unlovable. Correct. And pushes you away in a way. And then brings you back. I mean, he's like a no, yo-yo. I'm like, I'm like, I don't know any way. Like, yes, he pushes you away actively. I don't know. But he brings you back. I mean, when you're in what is in trouble and stuff, you know, he... <laughs> come, yeah. come help. David I mean, is wildly charming. Very. And he lives by his own moral code. Yes. <laughs> Not but God. he also like so David would like to fight, but he's gonna fight for the the um uh gosh, underdog. An underdog, yeah. So like he would protect his friends at school all the time who were being picked on by bullies, so he would bully the bullies. So you like can you fault that? I mean yeah. not, you know, like no, I don't want you to be a bully and I don't want you to fight, but also you're kinda using your powers for good. But then he does some shady stuff, and then you're like, well, that's very clearly not great. I had a teacher that had a really strong conversation with me at his late last school about his bullying. And I said, I just told her, I said, well, if you pay attention to who he's bullying, he, he bullies the people who bullies others. And if, as long as he continues to take out people who hurt people that are smaller than them, I'm not going to say anything about it. Huh. So there. What do you think the Lord's taught you being David's David's mom? mom. I mean, other than the shower conversation. Incredible patience. Incredible patience to wait on his timing. Mm. That must be a lot of heartache to, you know, because you're longing for that. I can imagine that you would really. I long for him to know the Lord and I'd love to see it. And I've, uh, in recent years, come to the realization it's not likely that I will. Ooh, which is so funny because I was just talking to my friend this week about, you know, the by faith chapter in Hebrews 11. Um, A lot of the people that are listed in that never got to see the promises. You know, Abraham was going to have more descendants than stars. Well, you can't possibly be around for that. And he surely does, doesn't he? Yeah, and he, but he does. Yeah, and like, it's so interesting. Like by faith, you're living out this this call to love David, and you may never see the fruits of that. 
this yeah. side of heaven. I don't think I will, and that's okay. I've come to the I've come to the understanding of that, and um, appreciation of. I don't want to say this like I'm just first time realizing realizing God's smarter than me. <laughs> Obviously, God's smarter than me, and obviously, He knows the timeline better than me, and obviously, He knows when the perfect timing is. Uh, I think selfishly as a human, we hope that we would be a part of that. Mm. But I also believe that my death may be a a beginning catalyst of that. Yeah, because David, I don't know if he'd actually say it, but he's a mama's boy through and through. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, I, and I don't know. A tough and rough mama's boy. <laughs> Not a pansy mama's boy, but a mama's boy. No, but boy. he likes you better than everyone else. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Totally agree. But, you know, and I haven't told this part, which I think is important to David's story. And that is, let's see, when you were two, I started going to Bible study formally. I was 30 years old, 31, I guess. And uh, I had been in church all my life, but I'd really, I never understood the Bible like I started learning when I started going to BSF, Bible Study Fellowship. Guys, Bible Study Fellowship or CBS CBS are the places to go. If you want to know Jesus more, I'm telling you, I'm telling Using my Absolutely. podcast authority to yes. tell you, yes. enroll in one immediately. You will know scripture and thus know God in a way that you won't otherwise. It has saved my marriage. It has saved my children's lives. It has saved my life. It's a huge reason why I'm a believer. For sure. It is, yes, it is transformational because it will help you learn the word for yourself you, between God and you mm-hmm. you will learn the word for yourself and that's I think what drove me there because I was tired of going to church and hearing what they told me that scripture said Yeah, I wanted to know what scripture said I wanted to learn the lesson for myself I wanted to know the truth I wanted to hear it from God and his word not from a human and that's that is truly what you receive in these programs. But anyway, quickly I'm going to say that um, right after I started going to that Bible study, I was probably been there a few months, and David got sick and uh, probably ear infections. David and Paige both had ear infections a lot when they were little. And um, he, uh, he would crawl in bed with me in the middle of the night when he was sick, and he got... He'd had a run, been running a fever off and on for several days, and I'd done the Tylenol and the Advil and the bass, and, you know, I was doing all the stuff to try to help him feel better. And you get tired. You know, you're working, and you're going, and you're taking care of your other children, and now you're tired. It's the fourth night, and he's back in bed with you. It's 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and he's got a fever, I don't know, with, you know, probably 104, 105, because he's hotter and all get out. And it was just like a collapse in front of the Lord moment. And I just was like, I can't do it. I cannot raise this child 
Lord, I've done everything I know to do. I have done everything I know to do as a mama. I have done everything I know to do as a nurse. And his fever will not go away. I am so tired. I am so concerned. I do not know where to go. I do not know what stone to turn over. You take him. You take him. This is when God always does his work, you know? You fully are like, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I, uncle, when you say uncle to God, that's the that's it. That's the time where he moves. That's what I said. I give up. I give him to you. That's what I said. I give up. I give him to you. Mm-hmm. And as a friend said, you dedicated him to the Lord that night. Mm-hmm. And I said, yes. I get. I, I mean, you know, right, right. I didn't start out dedicating him to the Lord that night. But that's what I did. <laughs> I dedicated him to the Lord that night. And um, I hear, don't worry about David. He's going to grow up. He's going to be a good man. And he's going to do my will. And that's a promise I've hung on to very tightly for the last 31 years. Mm. And probably will continue hanging on to till the day I die. And maybe in heaven I'll see what the plan is. (laughs) But... um, It's like, at the time God said that, I thought, I'll be honest, in my humanity, I thought, well, that is the stupidest answer I've ever heard. (laughs) This child is sick. He's got a fever. He's got probably ear infections. I'm tired of giving him baths. I'm tired of giving him Tylenol. And you've told me, don't worry. He's going to grow up. He's going to be a good man. He's going to do my will. But little did I know the promises that that held, that David was a daredevil. David is a daredevil. He has no fear. He will do anything. And I've I've had people come to the house, delivery people, and they see David doing some of his stunts down the driveway. We have a very long, slanted driveway, and David will ride standing up, like I say, on handlebars of bicycles or on a skateboard flipped upside down in the air, twirling and stuff. And I thought to myself, I don't worry. David's going to grow up. (laughs) God's done said. Mm -hmm. You know, what I didn't know was, was he going to be in a wheelchair or not? (laughs) (laughs) But I knew that David was going to grow up, you know. So, I mean, there's just been so many promises in that that I I didn't ask for and I didn't expect, but I've been so blessed by. And I don't, I now don't think I'll see the completion of it in this life, but that's okay. Because God's in charge. And Jesus, David being in heaven, is to me the most important thing. However, God plans to go about. But um, really, all my kids have been awesome. They've all been great. Beth. Um, <sighs> Beth is better than everyone else. Beth. <laughs> she just is. Like Beth. I don't mean. I don't say that with like. Uh, Resentment. She, I, it is my delight to be Beth's sister. Beth has a relationship with the Holy Spirit that is totally and completely 
It's supernatural. Unfathomable. Unfathomable. It is supernatural. It is a total gift from the Lord. She feels his presence and, more importantly, his absence. Right. In such a... uh, um, it's it's wild. Like I, I a, think she like physically. Yeah, it's otherworldly what she uh, experiences. She, she it's physical. Her her the spiritual absence is physical to mm-hmm. her. Yeah, which is what they tell us. I mean, which we're, we're we know that spiritual is all around us, but Beth lives that. Right, spiritual is all around her, and she feels it as if it was physical. Mm-hmm. And she listens to it and obeys it, which is a biggie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because so many people might hear and hear. they don't do anything about it. But she listens to it and obeys it. Yeah. Yeah. And the best thing, I, the best example of that is sad, but it's true. We had a grandson that was David's son, Zachary. And he was sleeping with me, and um, he had a SIDS death. And before before the baby was born, Beth came to me, and she said, Mama, God has told me to have nothing to do with that baby. So, for reference, my sister has raised my brother's children. My brother had a teenage pregnancy. Uh, He was 17, and the the baby's mom was uh, 14 when they got pregnant. Um... And so the baby came home from the hospital pretty much maybe maybe a month and a half later, was in Beth's arms, and Beth's raised him. Um, same thing happened with the next child, with the same mom. Baby comes home straight from the hospital into my mom, my sister's arms. So for her to say this, it, it has significance that she's not to have anything to do with this baby. Beth is all about babies, too even if they're not under her particular personal responsibility. She loves them. She loves anybody's baby. When I first had Zayo, uh, we were living in Washington. We moved home six weeks later. Uh, but we were living in Washington State, and I FaceTimed Beth, like, after, like, just having the baby, FaceTimed Beth, and she, like, wanted to, she wanted me to sit there and hold the FaceTime like the phone to Zayo's face the whole time. And she was just like in awe and like they were having time together. And I was just like the facilitator of the FaceTime call. Like, and that's Beth loves. When I say she's a saint, like she first of all knows and loves God in an extraordinary way, but she loves with her entire being. And she is a, it is a quiet, but it is a still love. It is a, um, a safe love. It's secure. She is a the best human. Her heart is pure gold. She truly lives. Be still and know I'm God. Ooh, yes, yes, she does. And so she came to me when this baby was not born yet, and said, "The Lord has told me not to have anything to do with this baby." And Mama, I don't understand. And I said, "Well, I don't either, but." I would trust that. And she says, I I do. I just don't know how. And I said, I know, but we're going to have to figure it out. So, um, anyways, the baby came. You know, I just can't even imagine how hard it was on Beth, but she truly didn't have anything to do with that baby. I'm not sure she even held him. She held him maybe one time in my presence, but she wouldn't be, she wouldn't hold him alone. Yeah. So, anyway, 
He was born six weeks before Memphis, and he was alive three and a half months. And he was born addicted and was on a morphine drip around the clock for a week or so after he was born. And, you know, we really don't know if there's any contributing factors or not. The autopsy really didn't give us a lot of information, as they often don't with these SIDS mm. deaths. But... Um, even though it was not easy on me, I I have over I feel like I have overcome that uh, distress of him dying with me. You can tell the whole story. Uh, it was hard for everybody else was so relieved. David was relieved. The mother of the baby was relieved. Everybody was relieved that he was with with me because I'm the nurse. Everybody felt like if there was anything that could have been done, would have been done because they knew, A, I was a nurse, B, I taught CPR, C, I love the baby with all my heart, Uh, you know, D, I wouldn't let anything happen to him. He was in the safest place possible. Intentionally. Oh, we, I've told the story a thousand times, and it's like, because we were trying to adopt the baby from David, and uh, we, since we had Memphis, we were like, we'll just raise them as twins. Like, if you let us adopt the baby, and David was like, yeah, I mean, you can raise the baby, but I won't let you f- adopt the baby. And we were like, well, we're not, uh, we love this child, but we're not doing that. Mm-hmm. We need, you know, legality. Anyways... And so I, like, praise God that didn't happen because the the animosity that would have been between me and David for the rest of our lives because he would have felt that I hurt his baby. But we know, like, best case scenario is for sure you. And that's a horrible burden for you to bear. It's horrific. It was a hard burden, but I, like I say, I feel healed from it. I can talk about it as obviously I'm talking about it without... Bursting out in tears. My most grateful blessing of the whole thing is there is nothing I want more. And this is truly, absolutely positive to the truth. And I mean this with all my heart. There is no riches. There's no cars. There's no homes. There's no money. There's no nothing. There are nothing in the world I want more than all my children and all my grandchildren and all my descendants to come to know Jesus and spend eternity in heaven. Right. Nothing I want more. And I feel like with um, Zachary, check. Yeah, he gets to be with the Lord immediately. <laughs> Done. Right. He's there. He's off the list of worrying about. <laughs> I got the others to worry about, but not him. Right. So. So the, Beth's listening to the Lord. But yeah, because she listened, I mean, she was, she was obedient. <laughs> she always is. And... Um, You know, she was very grateful. David went into really terrible depression, and I've thought about it a lot since then. And, you know, I used to, when I was walking by David with Zachary, I'd say, you want to hold Zach for a minute? And his response was always, no, I'll wait till he's bigger. And I'm sure those words haunt him. Right. Because Zach never got bigger. But that's a sad note. You might want to end on a happier note. <laughs> we can talk about Beth falling off the deck too real quickly. Beth was 
19 months old. I just brought home David from the hospital, and we were having a satellite dish installed in the backyard and back Ooh, in the... we are speaking 1984 right now. <laughs> I was going to say, that was the 1980s, and we weren't the first. We were on the slow track on that, getting that done. But we got... And we knew the people that were installing the thing because... They ran the uh, video rental shop, you know, not, not Blockbuster, but a local mom and pop version. And so Man, we were, it's no, just getting but, even better. So, <laughs> Nostalgic. Me, me and Beth are the same age. Right. We were born in the best time. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. So we, 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 she knew these people. And I had a waterbed. This is important. I had a waterbed, and we used to play with Beth all the time. We would throw her through the air and land on the waterbed. And she'd just laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. And also, laugh. i got to say, you had that waterbed forever. Up until, like, we got married. I, no, I think. Yeah. After it. Like, I had it for two, 30 two, years two at least. years until we got, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had to get rid of it because my husband couldn't get out of bed anymore. He couldn't, he couldn't crawl out anymore. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so... I, I really felt like the throwing of Beth onto the waterbed helped because, you know, she relaxed in the fall. <laughs> that's what I. That's what I said. So used to fall and she just. She yeah. So she wasn't like tense. You know, it's kind of like a drunk in a car wreck. They don't get hurt as bad often because they're, you know, relaxed and loosey goosey instead of tense. So anyway. She was standing out with her daddy on the deck. They were standing right beside each other, and she leaned between the two pieces of wood that were running diagonally and just went right through them. Did a little somersault. and Remind us of her age again? 19 months, and she fell oh on gosh. her back down there. Well, Winston, and our deck is um, a, a story up. It's a, probably a little over a story up. And um, Winston was beside himself. He couldn't even run down the stairs. He came running back into the bedroom, and he said, Annie, come quick, Beth fell off the steps. And I just, I was like, I had to process it. Annie, come quick, Beth fell off the, not the steps, but the deck. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And I just had a baby. David was a week old. I was still. Oh, my gosh. And you had a C-section. And I had a C-section <gasps> and a waterbed. So I'm trying oh, to. Oh, my gosh. And a waterbed. That, that takes. Waterbed is all core. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I had to get out of the waterbed, run out down the hall, outside, down the stairs. And, and by then, of course, these guys were holding her. And they said, we were afraid to touch her, but she was moving on her own. And so we didn't want her to just lay there and cry. So we picked her up. And, and I got out there, and she was like, mom, 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 mom. You know, but all her parts was working. Everything everything seemed fine. Did I'll, you take her to the pediatrician? Please tell me you took her then. <laughs> there, like, was, there was no blood. She didn't pass yeah. out. <laughs> No need. No need. Well, that was really the awkward part because, as I said, we've been the same pediatrician for your whole life, except for the first 19 months when we went to this other guy who retired and went into teaching academics. And so he had stopped and referred us to Dr. Triggs, but we hadn't got to go to the first appointment yet. Oh, that was the first appointment with Dr. Triggs. And I have a child that's fell off the deck. I done right. body slammed my kid off the deck. So I did call story deck. Just I did call out. them and explain this whole thing to them. And I said I didn't see any obvious 
Signs of trauma. Signs of trauma or anything, but she did fall a significant amount, and uh, they were they just were really non pulsed about the whole thing, and so. I, they told me just to watch her, so I kept her up for a while and wouldn't let her sleep and watched her, and we think she's okay. We don't think anything happened from it. <laughs> we don't know. But she's 37 now, or almost 37. She's 37. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Is that why she walks like, no. in, a, in a circle? Stop it. <laughs> well, we could tell story after story after story. I told Mike that we should have a Nana story hour. You know what I mean? Like, like a little segment every <laughs> every podcast episode of things that are funny from things I've life. done. <laughs> yeah. Um, but thank you for sharing your stories. Thank you for having me. We love you, Nana. We love. I love you guys very much. Um, P.S. Nana listens to the podcast and she'll tell me things and I'm like, I honestly can't even remember that I said that. But cool, 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 cool. <laughs> I'm sure that's true.